Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Now I want to turn into God's Word, and we're in this series. And so as I get into this uh, sermon today, I want to ask you the question, um, do you know Mr. Spock? Does that name ring a bell, like from Star Trek, like Mr. Spock the Vulcan? So this is a very unique character. If you know anything about the show, you know that Spock is a Vulcan, and Vulcans try to live life without emotion, without experiencing or, or you know, um, kind of processing emotion. And that's one of the most intriguing things about the show, is this character, you watch him, and you watch him experience what it's like to walk through life, walk through these different moments, trying to operate without emotion. Now, if you follow the franchise, if you follow all the movies and, the, and all the series, you, you come to learn that Spock doesn't, um, he's not free of emotion, he's not completely without emotion, he actually experiences emotion. And the complexity of the characters, you learn that he's learning to control it, he's learning to live with it in a particular kind of way. And I think that's what's so intriguing about Spock. Because in, in stories, in fiction, we see these characters and, and as they re- relate to emotions, you know, you kind of feel this duality between rationalism and emotionalism. Sherlock Holmes is another great example. Somebody who's, who's a detective, he's solving cases, and he's using his intellect. And he prides himself on that. It's so fascinating to watch characters, watch people navigate emotion. Emotion is one of those things we're so familiar with it, yet we so much don't understand it, Right? Like when we think about our emotions, we're like, how do we, how do we deal with them? Like what is it that we, we can do to, to navigate them well? No, emotions, they're challenging, they're complex. So we're in this series, James 1.19. We're looking at this one verse over three weeks. And today is our final week in this series where we're looking at the concept of being slow to anger. Slow to anger. So I want to remind you again of the verse. I'm going to put it up here on the screen here. James 1.19 talks about how we are to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now James is offering us this wisdom. He's saying like, here's, here's some just helpful ideas for how we can navigate life in a way that honors God. And here's three of them that we're digging into. And our whole goal in this entire series, and I want to just capture it in this sentence, is we want to relate rightly in the way that we communicate. We want to relate rightly in the way that we communicate. So when we get to this idea of anger, and maybe more broadly emotions, how are we to handle our emotions? How are we to handle our anger? What does it look like for us to honor Jesus by the ways that we interact with our emotions. Well, I want to open that up today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit, James, we're going to look at a few other texts, but we're going to dive in to see what does the Bible show us about how we are to understand our anger and our emotions. So let's dive in. And what I do, what I want to do is I want to begin by looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. We're going to jump around to a few places. If you want to follow along in your Bible, please do so. We're going to primarily be in James, but we will jump around a little bit. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Here's what Paul says to us, to, to the Ephesian believers. 
Here's how we can think about anger. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let your sun, let the sun go down on your anger. Now I want you to notice a couple of things here real quick. Paul says, be angry. He says, be angry. Did you catch that? Like, it's not just, hey, d- don't get angry at all and don't sin in your anger. He's, not, he's like, no, be angry and do not sin. I don't know about you, but if you grew up in the church or maybe you just grew up in an environment where you were kind of, it was communicated to you as like, no, 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 you got to keep your emotions in check. I remember that kind of growing up, like the sentiment out there, the feeling that I had as a little kid was like, oh, I can't get angry. I can't let my emotions get the best of me. I need to suppress them. Does anybody feel that? You feel that tension. You feel like I need to keep my emotions down here. Like I got to bottle them up. I got to keep them contained. It's right here. Like, is that an idea that you're operating with? Like, do you feel that pressure to say like, I have to keep my anger bottled up. I have to suppress it. I have to keep it down here. Is that something you're walking in with? What we see Paul doing right here is undermining that. He's telling us to be angry and do not sin. Be angry. He's calling us to be angry. Well, how are, how are we to understand that? Like, what, what is he really talking about? Is he saying like, oh, well, I know you're going to be angry. I know it's going to happen. So when you're angry, just don't sin more. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Though we might interpret it that way. We might feel like our anger is, is wrong and I should never, ever go there. Well, I want to show that the Bible actually gives us a different picture. And so what I want to do now is I want to turn back to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. We looked at this text a little bit when we did the story series just uh, you know, several weeks ago. And we looked at how God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai after the Israelites have screwed everything up. And and he proclaims who he is. He describes his character. And these are the words that he speaks to Moses. Verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now this verse is so rich and packed. Like There's so many things that we could talk about. But here's our phrase from James, slow to anger. Right here, God is describing himself as being slow to anger. Now, we might think like, okay, so God maybe never gets angry. If you read the Old Testament, you come to learn that that's not true. If you read the various stories of God interacting with the Israelites, you will see that God does get angry. He gets frustrated. He gets mad about what he's seeing. We're going to talk about what he gets mad at in just a minute. But I want to highlight something here. When this phrase, slow to anger, when we see that, in the Hebrew, it's an idiom. It's a kind of a, a clever way to describe something. And the idiom literally is this, long of nose. Long of nose. It's really weird, right? Like, okay, what are we talking about? Pinocchio or something here? Like long of nose? What is that all about? Well, the Hebrew concept of anger took a very bodily experience and describes it. When someone is angry, they say you are hot of nose. And you can imagine that. When you get angry, you, get, you, you feel it in your body. You get tense. The blood's starting to flow. Your, your body temperature rises. Your face might get flushed. You probably feel it. And you can imagine somebody who's angry, they're like, and they, and they get their nostrils flared. Like, 
hot of nose. That's, what, that's the image. Like, they're, like you're hot of nose. You're angry. What God is saying here is that his nose is long. It takes a really long time for his nose to get hot. He's patient. And here's, that's what he's doing right here. He's describing how, like, I am patient. I am slow to anger. My nose is long, longer than Pinocchio's. Like, it is, it is long. It takes a while for me to get angry. But you'll see if you read the biblical story, God does get angry. And so what we see here is God interacting himself, describing himself in relation to anger. I want to look at one other chunk of, of text here. So now Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. So we get Jesus now. And what Jesus is doing, he's just come into Jerusalem after riding in on a donkey. Everyone's proclaiming, oh, like, here's the king, here's the king, Hosanna, Hosanna. And what does he do? Mark chapter 11 describes, he gets off this donkey, and then in verse 11, what, what happens? Oh, I'm on the wrong page here. Sorry about that. I wasn't ready on this one. As you turn there, you can turn with me. All right, so Mark chapter 11 at verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So what we see is Jesus, he enters Jerusalem, he's just run out, he goes to the temple, and he looks around at everything. And he decides, like, I'm going to come back. Do you know what happens next? Jump down to verse 15. This is the next day. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And, it would not, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for the nations? But you, you have made it into a den of robbers. So what we see here with Jesus is he comes into Jerusalem. He's just been hailed king. And the first thing that he does is he goes into the temple and then he leaves. And he comes back the next day. And then he does this crazy thing. He's throwing tables all over the place and like creating chaos. And, and you, he doesn't say the word angry here, but you can imagine like Jesus was probably angry. And we get other places in, in the Gospels where Jesus is angry. Like he is expressing his anger at something. It's anytime there's sin, there's brokenness in the world. Some man's hand is withered and he's angry at that reality. He gets angry at the religious leaders for the ways that they put up barriers for people. Like Jesus is getting angry. But right here we see Jesus, he's got a very particular plan in place. And what you see is that he doesn't react to his anger. He sees what's going on and he says, wait a minute, and I'm going to come back. Jesus gets angry, but he's intentional about it. We're going to unpack that in just a minute. But so we've looked at a couple different texts. Here's just what I want you to see kind of right out of the gates. Anger and other emotions, they're not wrong. Anger is not a bad thing. 
It's not something to be avoided. It's not something we have to squelch or suppress or try to keep bottled up. Anger, it's not wrong. God got angry. Jesus the Son got angry. Paul calls us to be angry. So if you've come in today with that idea, like, I'm not allowed to get angry. I have to avoid it at all costs. I gotta suppress it. The Bible's telling us that is not the way it's supposed to be. We're not to suppress our anger. We're actually to embrace it. We're to accept it. We're to acknowledge it. And so what I want us to see today, that anger and these other emotions that we experience, they're part of who we are. God has gifted us as human beings with emotions. And they can be really, really helpful. So if anger itself, anger itself is not the problem, if it's not the issue, then what is? Again, because James is calling us to be slow to anger, slow to become angry. Well, why does he say that? Why does God describe himself as slow to anger? Like, what, what's this all about? Well, I think the next key element that we need to see is that how we deal with anger matters. How we deal with our anger matters. It can't be flippant. It can't just be like whatever we want to do. Like, no, how we deal with our anger matters. That is what makes it good or bad. That's what makes it like appropriate or not. And so what I want to do now is I want to turn back to James, James chapter one. So if you would go with me there, we're going to look at our verse again, but we're going to read a little bit beyond it. So James 119, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So right now, James is making a contrast. He's talking about human anger versus God's righteousness. Like, what what is he saying here? So we'll look at that in a second. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So what James is talking about here is he's like, I want you to do these three things, particularly with anger, human anger, it doesn't lead to God's righteousness. So what is, what is he talking about here? I think what he's talking about is what he says next. Therefore, remove all this kind of stuff. Because anger itself isn't wrong, it's not bad, it's what we do with it. It's how we interact with it. It's what it leads us to do that James wants to get after. And so what he calls us to do is be slow to anger and get rid of all this other stuff, all this moral filth, this evil that is so prevalent within you. Like he's wanting to say, get rid of all that because that, that's what leads anger down the wrong path. And Paul reinforces this. So I actually want to jump back to Ephesians chapter four. And what Paul does is he takes this this verse, be angry and do not sin in verse 26. But then later on, verses 31 and 32. This is what he says. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You can hear, you can like feel what he's talking about with all these different words. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. 
So what Paul, what James, what they're doing is setting up a contrast. They're saying that this human anger really is wedded with all this other stuff. Like our, our, our hearts are operating within a particular kind of way. And we've got all this extra stuff that, that informs it, that shapes it. It's this bitterness. It's this malice, contempt. That is what takes anger and perverts it. What Paul and James are pointing to is not that anger is bad. It's what we do with it that matters. So what we see is that we need to tend to that. How we deal with anger matters. Emotions, they're not to be suppressed. They're not to be bottled up. We're not to try to ignore them. Rather, emotions, anger, these things are to be noticed, to be acknowledged, and to be leveraged. I actually find this kind of a helpful analogy for me, so I wonder if it is for you. I've, I've heard anger described as a great fuel and a terrible driver. Like if you think about a car, like what is anger in the analogy? Anger belongs as in the gas tank, it's gasoline. It's a terrible driver. Like if it's in control, you're gonna go everywhere, right? But like if it's in the gas tank and you're in the driver's seat, that's gonna take you somewhere that you wanna go. And I think that's what emotions, that's what anger especially can do. It is great fuel when we allow it to drive us the direction we need to go, when we're in control, when we're sitting in the driver's seat and we allow that to drive us, to give us the energy to move, it can actually be a really good thing. It's a great fuel, it's a terrible driver. So what does that look like? Or, or how do we kind of think about that? I, I, I like the question of what are we angry about? The next question of why are we angry about it? And then the third question of what are we gonna do about it? So I wanna put that framework kind of in front of you. Asking ourselves this question of like, when, when I'm angry, just pausing to say like, what's making me angry? Why am I angry? Like what about it is making me angry? And then what am I gonna do about it? I think what Paul, what James, they're pointing to is that sometimes there are some things that we can get angry about, the what, that's not appropriate. I think there are some times where we can get angry about something that we just shouldn't get angry about. We've got this rage, this bitterness, like we, we feel resentment, like those are indicators, like maybe I'm not in the best place with this. So taking the moment to just ask, what am I angry about? But what's the why behind the what? Maybe I'm angry about something, it's appropriate or not, but why am I angry? Like what's going on there for me? Like, if I'm angry about something, is this about me? Or is it about something else? It, it, or something that's good? Because again, I think sometimes we operate within a very self-centered kind of approach. Like, sometimes it's right here for us. Like, I'm mad because I'm mad and somebody hurt me rather than what's right, what's healthy. Like, why am I mad about it? Is this a self-centered kind of thing? Or is this an others-centered kind of thing? So why, why am I angry about it? And then what am I going to do about it? We might be angry about the right kinds of things, and we might have good reasons to be angry, but we go about it in the wrong way. What am I doing about it? Am I expressing the anger in the right kind of way? 
Am I allowing it to drive me the way that I need to? Like, am I, am I in control? Am I taking it to a destination that's appropriate? Or, or is it controlling me? Am I going about it in the wrong kind of way? That, that is what Paul, that is what James, that's what Jesus wants us to see. Like begin to analyze and to, to discern what's going on in my heart in all of this. So I want to do just that. Like what does it actually look like for us to use anger appropriately? So I want to kind of give you some suggestions, some application of like flesh this out. What, what does it mean for us to operate with healthy kind of anger? So number one, we want to allow Jesus to transform our hearts. Little by little, he's going to do that. Because Jesus, he got angry. God got angry. It's, it's appropriate to have anger. What does it look like for us to embody that, to be like him? Because again, we've got anger, but sometimes we'll express it in the wrong way or it comes from a self-centered kind of heart. We need Jesus to step in and transform us. That is why he went to the cross. He took all the sin, all the brokenness, all the things in this world that does not belong and it was crucified in him. And God, who gets angry at sin, who gets angry at injustice, at people hurting each other, he doesn't like that. What does he do? He puts that anger on Jesus, on the cross. And he says, I'm angry at the injustice of this and now I can do something about it. Because God, who is slow to anger, he's patient. He allows the process to unfold to get to Jesus. So there, there sin can be dealt with. And now it can be dealt with in us. Inappropriate anger, this, this, this drive out of a self-centered kind of perspective, being angry about the wrong things, doing it the wrong way. Jesus can transform our hearts. That's what he can do. He has the power over sin and death. He is resurrection embodied. He can do that. So allow Jesus to transform your heart. Come to him. Begin to follow him. That is the first and only step that we can take because the rest, he shows us how. So come to Jesus. Allow him to transform you little by little. This is what he can do. So that's number one. Number two, notice your anger. So you're working with Jesus. You're following him. You're, you're trying to do your best and, and you hit a moment where you're angry. The best thing that you can do is notice it. Notice your anger. Like, okay, I'm starting to feel angry and develop that awareness. Like notice what your body feels like. When you get angry, you get tense or, or, or you start you know, wanting to walk around or, or maybe you get quiet and, and kind of reserved. Like, what is it for you? How do you feel your anger? Notice it. Pay attention. Like, what is, what's going on inside of you? Notice your anger. And then begin to ask yourself the question, okay, what's making me angry? Why is it making me angry? What do I want to do about it? Ask those three questions. Like, notice what's going on inside of you, inside your heart. Notice what's happening to you that's leading to this moment. Notice your anger. And I would encourage you to notice it without judgment. 
Again, if you're like me, you kind of grew up in a setting where it's like, okay, you know, avoid anger. It's not good to be angry. Like you got you to gotta set it aside. Notice your anger without judgment. It's not bad to feel angry. It's not bad to feel it. It's not wrong. It's not something to be avoided. Like accept the feeling. It's what comes next that matters. So ask yourself, why am I angry? What's making me angry? What's behind that? And what do I want to do about it? Take time to notice your anger. Notice your anger. That's number two. Number three, once you've noticed it, pray and bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. One of the things that I think my tendency and I think our tendency as human beings is we just, we kind of try to control it ourselves, try to do it on our own. And I think what God wants us to do is to learn from him how to interact with our anger. And so I think we've got to develop the posture where we bring things to him right away. We come to him and say, all right, Lord, I'm feeling angry. And maybe I know what to do with it. Maybe I don't, but I'm, I'm just, I'm going to express it to you first. Pray about it and just tell God, I'm feeling angry. This is why I'm angry. And this is why I don't like it. And like, say all that. Say all that. He's not afraid of your anger. If you spend time reading the Psalms and even kind of reading them thoroughly, you're going to see moments where the psalmists, they are raw. There are some of these psalms that are like sharp and harsh. There's a few of them that you're just like, I can't believe that's in the Bible. They're expressing their anger. And it's good. Because remember, the psalms, they're often this prayer kind of thing. It's worship. It's coming before the Lord. So bring it to him. He's not afraid of your anger. He can handle it. He, he loves it when we're vulnerable with him. So pray. Bring it to the Lord. That's number three. Number four, respond and don't react. Respond and don't react. We want to consciously choose an other-centered kind of love. So when I say this, like go back to Jesus and turning the tables over, what did he do in Mark? He walked in the temple and then he left. And he came back the next day. He didn't react to what he saw. He sees it all happening. Like he's taking it all in. He's feeling the feeling, but he doesn't react. He takes his time. He's slow about it. And he's intentionally choosing a course of action. And he got pretty harsh. Like he's flipping tables over. Like this is pretty dramatic, right? It doesn't mean that he's like not using his anger. He's using it in the right kind of way. So we want to respond, but we don't want to react. We want to make an intentional choice. It's not just letting the anger drive us and kind of doing whatever like we feel the urge to do. Rather, we are choosing, consciously making a decision. And I think that decision is based on other-centered love. It's not necessarily what's best for me, though we want to steward healthy relationships. And that may mean boundaries sometimes. Like, that's a good thing. But that's loving to the other person too. And I think what Jesus is doing is turning over these temple, um, these temple uh, tables. He's saying, like, I'm trying to help you all love people too. Because if you notice, like, where was, was all this happening? It was in the temple courts. 
This was the court of the Gentiles, where the people who weren't Jewish could come to the temple and they could worship, they could participate in some measure. Basically, they've pushed all the Gentiles out because they want to sell their stuff, sell these animals, sell these sacrifices to the Jews. And Jesus is like, I want my house to be a house of prayer for all nations. You are not loving them. I want to help you love them. That is what Jesus is doing. And so he's intentional. He's choosing love, even if that means correcting. So that's what we need to do. We need to choose. We need to be intentional about it. We don't want to react. We want to respond. And we want to respond with love. That's number four. Number five, release it appropriately. So there are times when we feel anger. Maybe we have identified where it's coming from, appropriate or not but we've got to release it. Sometimes the place to release it is with the Lord in prayer where we just say, all right, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm releasing it and I'm just, I'm setting it down and I'm not going to do anything more with it. That might be enough. But then there are other times when we actually have to go talk to somebody, have to have a conversation, maybe a confrontation, or maybe we're in the moment, you know, with a spouse or a family member or a friend and it's getting heated we need to release the energy appropriately. What we don't want to do is suddenly start yelling and like you know, dropping all of the energy on a person. So there may be times where you've got to take a walk. Take a time out and say, hey, I, I want to continue this conversation. Can we do it in like 20 minutes? I just need to go around the block. Can we, just, can we wait? I need to burn some energy. That may be appropriate. Or maybe the energy will, will move you to action. In other times that you wouldn't have, like you, you kind of hold back, but releasing the energy is allowing you to move. You see an injustice. You see something that's wrong, and you speak up. You defend. You protect. Anger can be the fuel to do that, as long as it's appropriate. But it's really hard to know. It's really hard to know when is appropriate, what, what's okay and not okay. I'll submit to you that I don't know the answer all the time. <laughs> it's a lifelong journey. But I think if you're operating with humility and choosing an other-centered love, you're walking the right kind of road. You're going to make mistakes along the way, and you own that. You apologize where appropriate, but you, you choose the path that you best can discern with the Lord, and do it humbly, carefully, but we release it appropriately. So those are my five suggestions, my five thoughts on how do we actually do this. But the bottom line that I want you to just walk away with today is the call to use anger properly. That's the big idea for today. Use anger properly. Anger is not a bad thing. Emotions are not bad things. They're God-given. They're part of who we are. We're to embrace them. We're to experience them. And so we shouldn't run away from them. We shouldn't suppress them. We shouldn't try to avoid them. But we also shouldn't let them drive the car. And so how we deal with them matters. And so what we want to do is we want to use it properly. We want to notice. We want to bring it to the Lord. We want to allow him to change us. Allow him to direct our steps into love, releasing it appropriately. This 
is the call before us. This is what James is asking us to do. And being slow to anger is to be careful and to use anger properly.